Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm Duke Lamastra. I'm your host. I am excited to be back. I had about a week and a half or so off because uh, my wife and I just had a baby. Well, my wife did. I was there, but <laughs> we just had our third child, baby Sophia, and uh, she's doing great, and my wife is doing great. Thank you, to everybody, for keeping us in your prayers uh, throughout this whole process. It's been amazing. Uh, I'm really excited to be back, and I'm super excited about my guest today. Michael Geyer will be with us in just a moment. Michael owns and runs a full-service global video and film production company called Geyer Productions LLC, producing TV commercials, short films, feature films, documentaries, internet videos, corporate videos, and more. Last year in 2021, Michael released two award-winning documentary films, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. We spent about the first half or so of this podcast really kind of digging into those two documentaries in particular, and really this world of post-traumatic stress, um, particularly as it relates to veterans and first responders, but really on a grand, broader scale as it relates to anybody who's dealt with trauma in their life that uh, re- has resulted in post-traumatic stress, anxiety, things of that nature. Uh, Michael Geyer is also an actor, singer, and dancer. He made a living as an entertainer for most of his life, starring in Broadway shows all across the country. He is still a TV and film actor, and uh, he just is involved in a lot of different things. He's an awesome guy. He's a man of God, and it's uh, really, really uh, a good conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into this conversation with Michael Geyer. All right. First of all, Michael, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, what would a Monday morning be without some technical difficulties? Well, that would be that would be really bad, but it's Friday, <laughs> which is even worse because we're supposed to be relaxing on Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, it's totally Friday. I don't know why I just said Monday. <laughs> it's one of those days. I mean, this is how it started, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, man, technology just keeps me humble, man. So right. Over and over again with uh, I think all the kinks are worked out, and then and then there's just something else, but. Yeah. But uh, first of all, just thank you so much for your time and thanks for being here. It's an honor. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. So last year in 2021, you uh, directed and and produced uh, two documentaries, uh, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. If you would uh, just share sort of a brief synopsis of each of those films, and uh, then I'll, I'll ask you some questions about them. Okay. Well, Wounded Heroes was a documentary I produced by accident. It wasn't planned. We were going to do a feature film with actors. We had the screenplay written, and it was called Wounded Heroes. And I didn't know much about post-traumatic stress, and that was part of the storyline of this movie. So I was interviewing people to learn about post-traumatic stress, and I met a guy in San Diego named Carl who was a veteran battling serious post-traumatic stress. And he was on 16 different medications down from 18. And he said it wasn't helping. The side effects were horrific. He said it pushed some of the symptoms down, but it didn't solve the problem. And so I walked away from that meeting and that interview with him, realizing I needed to put our other film on hold. And instead we should do a documentary and see if we can find alternative treatments that will actually solve the problem, help anybody battling post-traumatic stress get their lives back. So that that led me on a three-year journey, which became Wounded Heroes, the documentary. We released it in March, and it's available on all of the different platforms, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere. And then Fox Nation, the uh, 
a streaming platform for Fox News. They just licensed the film. So that should be up there on their platform. Uh, where are we at? April? I think sometime in May. They wanted to have it up mm. in May. So we're just awesome. working out all the little details. But yeah, so that's Wounded Heroes. Uh, and then Dan Jarvis was one of the gentlemen I interviewed in Wounded Heroes who had post-traumatic stress, who was suicidal. Um, he was sick and tired of being sick and tired, as he said. And mm. he found an alternative treatment that really saved his life and gave him his life back. And so he started a nonprofit called 22-0. And then because I met Dan when I interviewed him, he later asked me, to, would I be interested in producing a film for his nonprofit called Healing the Heroes of 9-11 that would feature the alternative treatment his nonprofit um, uses called TRP, the Trauma Resiliency Protocol. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to two other things that I already feature in Wounded Heroes. And I love TRP. It's an amazing protocol. And so, yeah, I definitely agreed to do it. The only tricky thing was he called me and said, we need to have this released on September 11th you know, of last year, the 20th anniversary. I'm like, well, that's great, but there's a problem. That's only two months away. It took me three years to do Wounded Heroes, and you want me to do this in two months. Wow. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, let's give it a shot. <laughs> you know? wow. So it was a whirlwind two months. Uh, the film was 63 minutes, which is still a lot, an hour film in, in two months. And uh, we filmed in New York, Florida, Japan, um, first responders from 9-11, uh, Ground Zero and also the Pentagon, and we, they all five of them were battling post-traumatic stress. They talk about what they went through on 9/11 in the film, and then they talk about their battle with post-traumatic stress the last 20 years. Then we put them through TRP in the film. Then afterwards, we interview them again to see if it made a difference, and it made a huge difference in all five of them, showing the world that if people who have experienced 9/11 and battle post-traumatic stress for 20 years, if they can get their lives back, then anybody can. So those are the yeah. two films. Wow. Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I I've seen both films, and they're both incredible, incredibly eye-opening, and just the content and information. Um, and hearing these stories, both the, you know, I, I think for me, um, it was really powerful getting a chance to kind of see, you see behind the curtain, in a lot mm -hmm. of ways of, you know, folks that are um, really battling with or have battled, you know, with um, PTS and uh, with the this, you know, just intense uh, trauma from these experiences that they've gone through. And what was one of the things that really stuck out to me um, in both of these films is that, you know, you're dealing with veterans, you're dealing with first responders, you're dealing with people that are you know, it very often sort of like type A personalities and people mm. that are they are heroes, you know, they're, and they're people yeah. that are willing to, you know, run into the burning building. They're people that are willing to, you know, go on that call, to go on that tour of duty, to, you know, to defend their nation. You know, they're people that are strong, you know, strong willed, yeah. strong minded folks that have gone through some really um, traumatic things. And because as a result of those traumatic experiences, you know, you you have these just incredible men and women of strength that are heroic and, you know, mm -hmm. valiant people that, you know, find themselves in in this place mentally and emotionally and psychologically unable to really function according to who they are, according to their their real personality. And it was amazing to listen to some of these stories. For me, it was very, very eye opening. I'm curious for you. You, you, you said that the first film ended up basically being done by accident. 
did you prior to being asked to to produce um that that first film and meeting carl and all of that had you did you have experience in this area did you have a, a lot of knowledge about um pts and some of these things or was a lot of this just very new and eye-opening for you as well yeah it was absolutely all brand new to me so i do not uh i've never been in the military my dad was in the military but you know i don't i don't even know if i was born yet if i was i don't remember i don't i don't think i was born yet so mm. um so no military in my background no post-traumatic stress i actually thought post-traumatic stress was something our military and only our military dealt with i had no idea that post-traumatic stress is a normal reaction to a traumatic event and anybody who has a traumatic event can get post-traumatic stress so that's why both films are really for anybody you know it's called wounded heroes i've got a great picture of a soldier on the front but it was initially produced for veterans and, and uh, active duty military, but it definitely includes first responders who are also in the film. And then it also, their families. And then now anybody can, can use the techniques and the protocols used and are seen in the film. Mm, that's incredible. I was definitely very much in the same boat um, up until, yeah, maybe just about a year or so ago. And I've been I've been learning. I've had the really just amazing opportunity to get to know several men and women recently that that work in this area, that work with veterans and that work with first responders and that work with uh, people that are battling uh, that have worked in cumulative stress kind of environments and that have dealt with um, uh, post-traumatic stress and things of that nature. And it is incredibly eye-opening. I was very much in the same place thinking, oh, that's just something that that military people go through mm -hmm. and not recognizing. I mean, I remember years back just being very, very transparent. I used to be in be an Uber driver just maybe four or five years ago. I, I had uh, this girl uh, got in my car and she started telling me about her life and about her past and stuff like that. And she was telling me about how, you know, she has PTSD uh, or, you know, at the time she had PTSD um, mm -hmm. related to uh, the death of her mother. And, uh, mm. you know, that experience of, of going through that. And in my mind, just being honest, in my mind, I was thinking, that's not PTSD. Like that's and I had like this kind of really wrong attitude and wrong perspective about that. And, you know, through through uh, your films and through conversations that I've had with people more recently, a lot of this is just um, kind of opening up to me. I think that there's a lot of insensitivity around um, around these issues. You know what I mean? And I think mm -hmm. that that the work that you've done and that so many others are doing to kind of foster this understanding, this greater understanding of um, the the reality of this and what people have have gone through and are going through. And again, as you said, not just people that have been in like active combat zones, but um, police officers, uh, firemen. Uh, you know, excuse me, fire, fire, firefighters, um, first responders, but also um, anybody else that's gone through some really traumatic mm -hmm. experiences in life. And that switch just goes off in your brain. And as you said, uh, you know, these kinds of things can really be stigmatized in a negative way. But really, it's your brain's natural response to, you know, dealing with some of these issues and you know stressful situations and traumatic experiences that arise would you say that that's 
Did I yeah. articulate that correctly? Or <laughs> what? Yeah, absolutely. So that's your point is it's normal, and so that's exactly correct. And I, you know, of course, that was something I had to learn also. But I think a lot of people battling post traumatic stress are thinking, "What's wrong with me?" Well, post traumatic stress is normal, but it can the brain sometimes doesn't process it out properly, and so then it can become. You know, it can be part of someone's life in a debilitating way. Um, and that's where these alternative treatments come in to help them and let the brain process, you know, what needs to be processed out. And that's one of the things I love about ART, which is featured in Wounded Heroes, RTM, and then also Healing the Heroes 9-11 features TRP. They're, the three of them are very similar. They're a neuro neurological intervention. Mm -hmm. But what I love about it is, you know, everything is stuck in the amygdala which the Wounded Heroes talks about, you probably saw this, and, and what the neurological intervention does is it separates the emotion from the memory and process everything, processes everything properly in the brain so that you can think about the event without it having this traumatic feeling and, and emotion and everything else because it's all been processed properly and processed out so the memory and the emotion are now separated. It's a very basic definition of what you know they talk about in the film with doctors and all the experts who explain it much better than me. But the bottom line is it can be resolved and people are getting their lives back. Um, Healing the Heroes of 9-11 can be seen at 220.org for free. And they also provide the treatment TRP at no cost to veterans, first responders, their families. They even do the healthcare now. Doctors and nurses who also battle post-traumatic stress Our 911 dispatchers battle post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. Our prison guards battle post-traumatic stress. They offer their services for free. I don't know many nonprofits that offer things for free. I always thought with the nonprofit, they're getting all this money that they're there to earn money, get money, and then give things away. I've been very disappointed to find out. And they do. Many do. But I've also found many that charge, you know, for their services. And I'm like, what? So I'm very um, excited that 220 is one of the organizations that does raise money, but they give away their services to those in need, like I just mentioned, at no cost, which is amazing. And thousands have literally said they're healed. They've got the post-traumatic stress behind them and their lives back. Those battling post-traumatic stress, I've talked to many of them who say, you can't be healed. That's impossible. How dare you even say that? And they get very irritated, you know, but sorry, I'm not saying it. I'm telling you what the people who have been healed are saying. They said, I have my life back. I've never felt better in my entire life. Um, I, life is worth living again. I mean, all these statements I've heard them say, so I'm not going to call them a liar. They've experienced it. They're on the other side and anybody battling post-traumatic stress can be too. Uh, Wounded yeah. Here was my first film that can be seen. Well, they can go to woundedheroesdocumentary.com and there's all kinds of places for it to be seen. But if you're a veteran or first responder, I'll send you a link for free if you contact me through the website. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, to your point, one of the things that really did stick out to me from both films was people that you know had been basically in bondage for so many years, dealing with insomnia, unable to sleep more than a couple hours a night, um, you know, suicidal thoughts and behaviors and just all these different kinds of things that 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 stem from um, post-traumatic stress that everybody in the film was talking really from a place of freedom and from a Absolutely. place of, of I'm not battling with this anymore. And, yeah. you know, one one of the things just to just to make a, a sort of a correlation here, um, I 12 step programs and, and things like that, they've helped so many people. Um, and so I'm not trying to be negative against it in any way, but just one of the problems that I personally have um, with some of the programs that are out there 
is this idea that you are always an addict or, you know, you are always, in other words, like there's always, there's this idea that you're never really completely free. Mm. And I, I love the fact that in this situation that everybody was talking from this place of, no, I've experienced healing and, and I'm mm. not battling that anymore. I even heard yeah. um, somebody, w one of the gentlemen in the film say that he was a hundred percent better. Like it, it's not, it's a non-issue in his life anymore. And so that's something that's very, very unique because I, I feel like there's a lot of things out there, a lot of programs and a lot of, uh, you know, quote unquote treatments where for whatever reason, there's I know there's different reasons for it, but for whatever reason um, that that there's always kind of this thing hanging over the person's head where it's like, well, this is something that you're going to be battling with on some level. You can get some relief or you can get you know, it can get better. It can improve. You can see marginal improvement. But to an extent, it's always going to be something that's stuck in your mind and that you're not really going to ever be fully free from because of what you've gone through. And the fact that there's men and women that have been through such, such traumatic experiences sharing their stories, some really incredibly profound stories of trauma and pain um, that are now on the other side of that, as you said, and truly walking in freedom. It's really yeah. um, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, let me also bring up, the, or again, our first responders, our police officers who, you know, in the press, the last couple of years or whatever, everyone's attacking them <clears throat> and things. But, you know, what they deal with on a daily basis is so traumatic. The things that they yeah. witness, the things that they see, the pressure they're under, um, not knowing if they're going to come home alive because there are people out there and they're, they're on the front lines, you know, of that battle against the criminals. And, um, what happens is they get post-traumatic stress because of what they experience, but they don't want to tell a superior officer about it. They don't want to have their job taken away. They don't want to have their gun taken away. So they'll try to suppress it or they'll self-medicate with alcohol. Uh, and I talked to a lot of them, some of them in the film, who were barely hanging on. They weren't sleeping at night. They're sleeping, drinking themselves to sleep every night. And then they're waking up really without... They're not at 100%. You know, some of them said I was working at 25, 30%. So yeah. when they get into a very stressful situation, it's it's probably they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do some of the stupid things we've seen officers do that we, I think all of us should agree should never have happened, you sure. know. Um, and but they're at a place where they're not operating at 100%. They're not where they should be because of the post-traumatic stress they're battling. And that's what's great about, again, these alternative treatments like, like Dan Jarvis's 22 Zeros uh, TRP. It gives them their lives back. And what TRP also does, what they're doing through 220 is peer-to-peer -peer support. They're teaching officers to learn the protocol TRP. Mm -hmm. They then can do it on fellow officers. Firefighters can do it with fellow firefighters. They don't have to tell HR. They don't have to worry about losing a job. They can go to their buddy who's been trained and say, I'm dealing with this. I, I want to go through it through TRP. Yeah. Their buddy who's already been uh, has has their life back, no longer has post-traumatic stress because they went through TRP. They're now trained. They can now help their friend in the department. And then all of a sudden they're all working at 100 percent, you know, um, and then that that's better for safety for the community. It's better safety for them. It's better for the departments who don't have to worry about losing officers and all that training and experience and starting over with a the rookie. There's so many benefits if we can get post-traumatic stress under control in the police departments, the fire departments, the prisons, 911 dispatchers everywhere. So TRP and being able to do peer to peer support is huge in helping resolve that problem.
Mm. I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, I think that that's that's such a such a key issue from from uh, folks that I've talked to that um, that that work in these fields. So if you're a police officer, you're a first responder, or you know somebody like that, where you are regularly exposed to traumatic experiences, you're seeing difficult things. Um, you know, you're you're seeing uh, death, you're seeing different things happening to you. You know, as a police officer even doing routine traffic stops, you know, things like that, where you never know, does this person have a gun? Does this person have a weapon? Are they going to do something that's going to hurt me or, you know, something like that. And, and, you know, when those things start to eat away at their minds, traditionally, it's been so difficult for them to have these conversations because of the fear of I might lose my job or I might have to get put on leave or, you know, I might get sat down or they might put me on a desk or, you know, whatever. And just that that fear of of not being able to fully express what's going on in your mind and getting those things out. So just kind of acting like everything's okay. And then I've even talked to some folks that have said, you know, and then on the other side, too, it's like they don't want to go home and talk to their family about it either because they want to protect their family from what they're Mm -hmm. going through. And so they feel like they, you know, they need to be strong and kind of put on this, this front. And, you know, and I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, what I mean is, uh, you know, in order to protect their job, to protect their family, to protect their income, you know, they end up basically sacrificing their, their mental health because they're, they're not able to have these conversations and so the fact that these protocols are being instituted to where, um, you know, these men and women that are on the front lines and in these difficult situations where they're they're here to protect and defend yeah. us, society and people. It's like, you know, the fact that these protocols are being put into place where there's more freedom to open up. It's such a game changer. Well, just, you know, the point of the films is just to get people whole again and let yeah. them get their lives back and to realize it is possible. And, you know, it's helped a lot of people, both films have, and, you know, that was my goal. And so I'm just blessed and excited to have been part of it. Yeah. Um, what would you say, and, and this might be something that's already come up, uh, but what would you say was maybe the most shocking or surprising or eye-opening thing that you discovered throughout this journey um, that you, you were just completely unaware of before you started? Well, boy, I mean, there's so much I've learned, you know, starting from knowing nothing to now I feel like I'm an expert just because I've interviewed so many doctors and people who've experienced post-traumatic stress themselves. And I think the most exciting thing, because I didn't know if there were was anything that would help post-traumatic stress other than the medications that really weren't helping. <laughs> mm. And so I think the most exciting yeah. thing for me was to find alternative treatments that do solve the problem that do give people their lives back. And, you know, there are times I was, you know, I interviewed everybody myself. I was on camera interviewing them. We kind of did this like a 60 minute, uh, you know, interview type of thing. It was kind of following my journey to find alternative treatments and wounded heroes. And, you know, just hearing their stories about where they were before and then seeing their tears of joy because they now have their lives back. You know, that sometimes I'm, you know, choking up on camera trying to hold my my tears back you know yeah. that was i just think yeah. really impactful you know when you see somebody's life that was so damaged because of a traumatic event get their lives back and and as you said the freedom the relief being able to sleep through the night have relationships again and i had a firefighter police officer he was a veteran not a firefighter police officer he's a veteran and a firefighter he said i experienced hell at war and he goes and i experienced hell as a firefighter 
Um, and I think he did 20 years in both. You know, he, was, he had a whole long career of service. Wow. And, um, you know, he said, you have no idea what, you know, people we experience as veterans and as, as uh, firefighters. And he had really bad post-traumatic stress. But he said, I'm happier today than I've ever been in my entire life. And I'll never forget that because even before he went into the military, you know, he thought, probably thought he had a good, happy, happy life. But today, after all that trauma, 40 years or so, and retired, but be because of an alternative treatment, he got his life back. He can now say he's happier than he's ever been. I mean, that's that's a, an amazing thing. So I think that was the most exciting thing for me. And uh, I can't think of the word, but the fact that they were able to find solutions and it was that beneficial in their lives, you know, that was my hope. And it was exciting to actually find those things and then sit in front of people who could give me the before and the after. So that's very exciting. Mm, that's amazing. That's amazing. Let me let me just bring this up because uh, we've been using the the terminology PTS or post traumatic stress without the D on the end. And uh, you know, so some people might be wondering, like, how come you're not calling it PTSD? How come you're calling it PTS or or whatever? I know that there's some controversy over whether or not to call this a disorder, and I'm pretty sure I know where you stand on this um, from watching the films and <laughs> and everything. But um, but I mean, but one of the things that I think you did a really really great job of in the films was as you were interviewing people, just really highlighting them and not really. Um, doing a whole lot of injecting your own opinions and things like that, you know, in into it. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. And, and so but I, but I'm pretty sure I know where you stand on this. But post-traumatic stress, is it a disorder? Is it an illness or is it an injury? What is um, from, from your findings and from your experience and talking with all these folks and dealing with these alternative treatments and things like that? What What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not an expert, obviously, but I'll give you my opinion. Uh, based on everything, talking to everybody. Um, and I, in the beginning, I was calling it post-traumatic stress disorder. And I did a TV interview and I got an email from a veteran, you know, just let me have it. You know, I'm not disordered. I don't appreciate you going on TV. You're not even a veteran. You have no idea what I've been through or what I'm going through. And you're going to sit there on TV and say, I'm disordered. How dare you? And I was like, well, I thought that's what it was. <laughs> you know? yeah. Everybody calls it post-traumatic stress disorder. Isn't it, isn't it a disorder? So, you know, that's so, but that made me start researching it. So I actually emailed the guy back and said, well, thanks for letting me know because I had no idea and I'm going to research it. And then, you know, we'll go from there. So then we made the decision for the film to call it post-traumatic stress. Uh, so some call it an injury because like any injury, uh, and I agree with that. It's also an injury. You know, it can be healed. If you break your arm, you go see a doctor, you get the help you need, you get your cast if you need it, you take some time to recover and, you know, you heal up. And I had a general uh, great thing about doing these films. Is I've met some amazing people um, of all types and, and, and people. But, you know, getting to meet all these top generals in the country have been pretty exciting as well. But I, one of the generals I met, uh, Don Bolduc, Bolduc, um, I think he's running for Congress or Senate right now. But um, uh, that he was saying, you know, when you break your arm, people's like, oh, how can I help you? Flowers and everything else. But when you say, oh, I've got post-traumatic stress, they're like, ooh. It's almost like saying you have leprosy. Yeah. Oh. And then they go, and they, he, you know, he, he acted this out. He went and he hid behind a door and stuck his head out. Oh, he has post-traumatic stress you know, disorder. You know, and, right. and he said, it's an injury. He goes, we all have things that we need help with. It's an injury. Post-traumatic stress, it can be, it can get better, you know. So anyway, I call it post-traumatic stress. Others call it post-traumatic stress injury. Uh, but there is a big push to get the disorder, the D, off. 
And so I just happen to agree with taking it off. And so I do. Now, why do you think other than, okay, so <laughs> in that example of, of, of that, uh, that, that veteran basically contacting you and letting you have it because, you know, you're calling me disordered. You're saying that I have a disorder. Why do you think besides, besides that, um, you know, why do you think it's so important that terminology? So in other words, um, to not call something a disorder, if it's truly not a disorder, um, and, and is there a a reason why in your opinion there's a certain push to kind of keep the 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 disorder connected to post-traumatic stress do, do you get what i'm asking so um is there is there a push to keep it connected to there with some kind of ulterior motive and and why do you think it's so important or or what why do you think the terminology itself matters well i think just the word disorder makes it sound like there's something wrong with the person and again it being a normal reaction uh and you know maybe it can get so difficult in their lives that it can become a problem in their life but because it can be healed um you know some say that the disorder portion there is there because you know the drug companies make a lot of money off of post-traumatic stress and they prescribe a lot of medications as i said carl in san diego was on 16 down from 18 prescription medications mm -hmm. and i've heard veteran after veteran say they'll walk into to the va or any other psychiatrist and in a 10 15 minute interview they go okay da, 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 you got post-traumatic stress let me give you these prescriptions they walk out with a handful of prescriptions and you know and psychiatrists I'm not necessarily blaming them. That's what they've been trained to do. You know, sure. they look at symptoms and then their natural training is, okay, for those symptoms, you go and you prescribe these medications. And mm -hmm. all, that all comes from the drug companies in their, in their training and, and making sure, you know, and there, there may be good motives behind it. You know, they're having a problem. I'm going to write a prescription and help. You know, that's what they're trained to do. But, you know, there's, there's also a lot of money being made by those prescriptions being written. And so there's, as one person said in my film, you know, the drug companies are making a ridiculous amount of money and they want there to be a disorder technically, because if there's not, they don't make money. Their job is to produce illnesses, not produce illnesses, you know, make sure that they have prescriptions to take care of any illnesses that come up. And so yeah. I don't know, maybe they want it to be a disorder for that reason. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've heard that from others, but I'm speculating based on what others have said. Sure. Yeah. One of the things that came up, um, particularly in the Wounded Heroes film um, <clears throat> over and over again, was this idea of, you know, you're you're going you're going in <clears throat> to get evaluated because you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, you know, you're dealing with maybe suicidal thoughts and these things. And so then they prescribe you medication and you look at the side effects, the, the potential side effects of the medication and it's anxiety, depression, uh, increased suicidal, you know, thoughts, thoughts. Su suicidal yeah. thoughts and tendencies yeah. and things like that. And it's like, this is what I'm going to treat. And yet I'm taking a medication that, you know, this, um, um, what do you call it? A, a psychotic, uh, that's not the right word. Well, anyway, a lot, a lot of these medications that are mm -hmm. the potential of causing the same problems that they're supposed to be treating. Making one it of worse. The things, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of the things, man, that that really was eye opening to me. There was a, a gentleman, there was a veteran, I guess it was from the Vietnam War in the film. Forgive me if I'm getting some of the details wrong, but he talked about being a POW for I think it was seven and a half years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 600 plus um, <clears throat> soldiers that were prisoners of war for all of these years. And throughout that whole time, he, he said, 
you know, we were in very <laughs> horrific circumstances, being beaten and being brutalized and, mm -hmm. and all of this for years. And not not a single one of us committed suicide. And yet after that experience, I think we have to look at more factors than just the medication. But the idea that, you know, hundreds of people coming out of the situation, getting home and being over medicated in many circumstances. And then, you know, from that point Taking on going life. forward, many of them started yeah. to take their own lives. And, yeah, it's um, very sad. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. I thought that was fascinating as well. You know, and there's also there's one other thing a doctor said in the film. Oh my gosh, if I can remember it. There's a oh, there was a, um, the Department of Defense had an increase in the amount of prescriptions they're prescribing, and and the 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 amount of suicides went up in correlation with the amount of prescriptions being um, increased. I, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing it very poorly. The film that he, the doctor actually talks about it. He's actually a Colonel, a retired Colonel. Um, and, and he's also a doctor, but he talks about the statistic much better than I just did. But yeah, it's, those facts are just fascinating. You know, again, it makes you wonder, uh, again, I'm not the expert, but it does make you want to stop and think. And, you know, if more suicides are happening as more prescriptions are, are taking place, that makes you wonder if those in uh, POWs are surviving through hell day after day. And yet when they come home and are given prescription medications yeah. that could contribute to a part of the reason as to why they decide to take their lives. I mean, that's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, <clears throat> it's intense. <laughs> but the good news is there's hope without medication. Yeah. And you know, well, that's the other thing, everybody in my film who were on lots of medications and they talk about the serious side effects and the film wasn't anti-medication. I just happened to interview people. They just talked about the prescriptions they happened to be given and how it destroyed their lives. Um, it wasn't my agenda. I wasn't looking for that. This is just everywhere I went. This is what I heard veterans and first responders tell me. Yeah. So I had to tell their story. So that's why the film has that. But that wasn't something I meant to have happen. It wasn't meant as an anti-drug because there are medications we all need. I'm on medications, you know, for high blood pressure, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. So there are medications we need. So I'm not anti-drug, but I am anti-psychotic, you know, with black labeled medications that have very serious side effects. If they do more harm than good, I think those mm -hmm. should be seriously reconsidered before a patient chooses to take it and knowing what you're taking. Yeah. And not just taking it because a doctor prescribes it, but knowing what you're taking and what the potential side effects are, that's our responsibility before we take it. And many people don't realize that. So we talk about that in Wounded Heroes as well. I think you were really fair, uh, you know, in the particularly in the Wounded Heroes documentary about discussing that. And, you know, and you, along with others said, I mean, there's there's definitely people that benefit from taking certain types of medication and things like that. I think what what was being one of the things kind of being combated against and and I know that that wasn't the the goal of the film, but one of the things again that came out from these different conversations was the idea of being over medicated and yeah. being medicated to the point where the drugs that are actually negatively affecting you, they're not allowing you to exactly. be present in your life. Um, and that there again, that there are other options there. And and mm -hmm. I love that you did discuss those resources for being able to go online and to research different, you know, medications and how sometimes even like the doctors, either they don't know or they're not paying attention or whatever, it, whatever it is. But where, you know, two drugs will be prescribed to the same person that that counteract with each other. And that, you know, produce some really negative side effects as well and things like that. So just kind of the idea of empowering people to yeah. take 
to take some things into their hands and mm-hmm. to say, you know what, let me let me find out about this. Not to say that I'm, you know, more knowledgeable than the doctors or whatever, but like ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, this is my life. This is my mental health. And so if there's another way, if there's a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And what I didn't get to finish saying because I lost my train of thought was the uh, people I interviewed in the film, uh, all of them are off their medications or down to just one or two. And that's huge, you know, to be on so many medications and then it really having a negative impact on their lives. And then now to be off of it, be healed of post-traumatic stress and to have their lives back. That's, you know, exciting to see for those currently battling post-traumatic stress that they too can get on the other side. There is hope. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let me just say as a disclaimer, like none of this is medical advice. Right. And and this exactly. is like the, the idea is that, um, you know, for anybody that does find themselves in that kind of a situation, this is something that you mentioned in the film as well. There's a, a healthy way in the care of doctors to Absolutely. kind of taper back on medications. And yeah. it's not in any way advocating for like, like, <clears throat> stop taking your meds, stop taking your, you know, just like go cold, to, like not in any way trying to put that out there. Right. Yeah. But, good point. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, be, absolutely you know, not. Safe and, yeah. 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 Um, so what would you say is something, this might be my last question on this and we can kind of maybe, maybe shift gears and talk about, um, some other stuff going on in your life too. But, uh, what was something that you would say that you learned throughout this process that you can now impart to others, um, that can just like help all of us maybe be more, more mindful, more empathetic, uh, more aware of people in our lives that, you know, may have gone through some traumatic experiences and things like that. Just what are maybe what's maybe one or two things that you've learned throughout this process that's helped you to see things a little bit more clearly um, that maybe you can just uh, speak into for a moment that could help all of us to, you know, just have a better, a better handle, whether it's on the way that we interact with uh, folks that have, you know, gone through traumatic experiences or, you know, again, just becoming more mindful about some of these things that are going on in society? Well, I think it's kind of a tough question, but I think one is not to be so quick to judge, you know, those who have experienced traumatic, something traumatic in their lives and are battling lots of different things because of that traumatic event. You know, I think it's so easy for us Mm -hmm. to judge, uh, avoid, there are people who are just really hurting, you know, inside and they try to cover it up and hide it with so many other things, yeah. whether it's getting into a cave and not communicating with their loved ones, you know, whether it's starting to drink too much, you know, there's just a lot of different things that can take place. And, you know, loved ones don't even know what to do. You know, they, they try to reach out. The person doesn't want to have the help. So, you know, I've encouraged family members to watch the films, you know, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11, just to learn yeah. themselves what their loved one may be going through. Uh, learn some of the alternative treatments so that they can, you know, make a suggestion after they maybe check it out themselves, make a suggestion to their loved one, you know. Um, but I think all of us just need to realize there's a lot of hurting people and not be so quick to judge, including our police officers. <laughs> I'm so sick of yes. you know people out there, the press and everybody else, you know, vilifying our police officers. You know, mm. they should be ashamed of themselves. I agree. There are police officers, uh, a very, very minority that have made huge mistakes and done stupid things that should never have happened. We all Absolutely. agree with that. But 
we also sh shouldn't then throw them all into the same bucket and villainize them. And we also need to realize that a lot of them are under so much pressure. That's what's causing them to make their stupid mistakes and stupid choices that they should have known better. Um, but if they can get their post-traumatic stress taken care of, then hopefully those stupid decisions will, will not happen in the future. But anyway, I just think there's a lot more love and grace that needs to be given to um, all of our military first responders. And uh, we need to encourage them, help them, not villainize them. Love that so much. Uh, is it okay if we uh, shift gears a little bit? Sure. A little bit. So probably a question that you've heard uh, over and over again. This might be in my head anyway. It sounds like a like a cliche kind of a question. <laughs> but uh, what what's it like or what's it been like being a Christian in the uh, entertainment and film industry? Um, Too broad? I don't, no, well, I'm just trying to think. You know, I don't know if it's really affected me too much um so i remember i did a tv show the the, the biggest thing I, I noticed was i did a tv show years ago it was a, a show called the middleman and um i was at one of the studios i forget where we filmed it one of the studios in hollywood and it was a big budget thing i mean they had over 100 people on the crew it was this massive show and um the, you know and my my scenes were with the uh, two stars the uh, two lead actors and then we were on break and, you know, so the two stars and some of the other actors and some people were just hanging around and I'm, I'm hanging out with the group talking to everybody, but somewhere politics got brought into it and faith and they just started going off on Christians and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I'm standing sure. there going, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I wasn't going to get into the battle because it's one of those things where there's, there's really no point. So what I try to do as a Christian myself is I live my life. I'm honest. I'm, I'm, I'm outgoing. I'm friendly. I say hello to everybody. You know, uh, I just try to be myself, but be a positive, good example. And there are opportunities where I'm able to talk to somebody and share my faith. And I have no, um, I'm very willing to walk through any door that opens. And, you know, and when I'm on set, if there's something I see, I'll pray for somebody, you know, and pray for a situation, you know, but I'm not, I'm not there to battle people. You know, if they yeah. want to talk bad about Christians or Republicans or politics or liberals or, you know, anybody, even Democrats, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not interested. You know, I'm there to just, you know, do my job as an actor and, you know, be a positive example. And so uh, that's what I, I try to do. So I've been able to, you know, be able to reach out and talk to many different people, you know, because of that. And my film sets, when I produce films, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this because it's a tough business. And, and film sets are run like the military. There's a hierarchy all the way down, you know, to the bottom and people have the utmost respect, but sometimes it can be a very uh, rough film set, you know, or, or TV set where people are not nice. And um, I, every production I've produced, I cannot tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and said, I've never had so much fun on a film set. I've never had so much fun doing what we just did. And I'm like, well, we're in Hollywood living our dreams. We're all kids in a candy store. We should be having fun, yeah. you know, but yeah. I, you know, I work with a lot of non-Christians and actually mostly non-Christians. I don't even really ask who's, who is or isn't Christian, sure. but you know, so to hear those kind of things as an example, I think that's also a way for me to, to be an example as a Christian who's producing it's my company I'm directing and then to have it be such a positive influence and they actually had a good time <laughs> is a good witness, you know, so that's all my way of trying to shine a light as, as God wants us to do in my part of the world where he has me. 
Yeah. No, I think that's a very real thing. Like, you know, you being you, you being yourself, um, you know, whether we're talking about this kind of situation or whatever kind of job anybody has, you know, be, being yourself and not necessarily, as you said, like looking for looking for the fights or looking for, you know, the, the, the way to become argumentative about faith and, you know, why other people are wrong and you're right. And all that kind of, all that kind of, you know, garbage really so, yeah. so often. And, uh, but I mean, just, but, but living your life and people do see that you're different, you know, and people do uh, uh, to your point, like noticing that even the atmosphere itself is different you know, on, on your set because of the attitude that you bring to it, the work ethic that you bring to it. And I think that that's, um, that that's an important aspect of being kingdom minded. It's, um, you know, it's approaching life. It's approaching your work and what God has called you to do, you know, from a place of excellence. And, and I think that we can do that in a way that does demonstrate God, you know, that does demonstrate his goodness and his love, the way that we serve people, I'm focusing on, yeah. you know, how can I, how can I best serve and love the people that are in front of me with what I'm, you know, called to do. And I think that that's really cool. And I think, as you just said, the people in front of me, that includes everybody, including the ones whose lifestyles I may not agree with. You know, again, it's another thing where, where Christians can be so judgmental. Human beings, I guess, can be so judgmental, including Christians. And, you know, I do believe um, that every walk of life, you know, there are people who are hurting. There are people who have, who are, you know, have had things happen in their past um, and they're acting out. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why all of us are who we are today and do the things and the choices we make today. Um, but it all usually stems by something deeper within that person and they mm -hmm. just need to be loved. And, you know, so I've met some pretty, even out on the street, you know, my wife and I will go into Hollywood, you know, we'll meet some pretty strange, strange people, but I don't judge them. I'll talk to them. I'll love them. You know, I'll pray for them. Uh, you know, and I think I think too many Christians are spending so much time judging and, and walking away from that. I don't really think God calls us to that, you know, at least pray for them. And if you have an opportunity, smile, you know, give them a handshake, treat them like a human being, yeah. treat them with the love that Jesus does have for them because they may feel unloved inside. You may not know. They may feel they may hate themselves inside and to have someone as unusual as they may look, love them, that could be such a witness you know yeah. so i think that that's that's uh, really important not that you're saying the lifestyle choice is okay but you should still love the person you know that's i guess my difference yeah i think that's really important you can dignify <clears throat> the person without you know just because you're dignifying the person and you're honoring the people that are in front of you doesn't mean that you're you know condoning their lifestyle or whatever it is that that they're doing or whatever um you know i think that jesus demonstrated that to us Absolutely. Over and over again, you know what I mean? Um, being yeah. down in real life with people and not becoming scandalized by you know, their <laughs> life choices and, and, the, and things like that. At the same time, of course, not being affected personally by it and, and always, you know, coming from the standpoint of if I'm going to speak into your life, I'm going to call you higher. I'm going to call you, you know, into your purpose, into your destiny. I'm going to I'm going to call you to a higher standard but i'm not i'm not judging you um and 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 i'm not going to refuse to have interaction with you because you're doing things that i disagree with you know yeah exactly yeah i don't ever think we should condone it but but what you just said is exactly exactly right yeah 
Have you ever had to like turn down any roles or work or anything like that just on the basis of your own convictions? Has that ever come up? Uh, yeah, it has. Um, recently, I turned down a couple of auditions uh, because of that. But at the same time, um, I usually play a lot of bad guys and I love playing bad guys, you know, <laughs> I and I am, I, I'm, I'm an actor, you know, so yeah. I don't I don't have a problem acting a role that's not myself because it's not me. When I'm living my life as Michael Geyer, I answer to God. As an actor in in the real world, there are bad people who do bad things. And I don't mind portraying those people, not if it's going to glorify that bad lifestyle. I won't do that because I don't want to be part of something that's putting out. It's great to have, you know, a wife and three girlfriends. You know, there's usually a consequence to that. So I don't mind playing that guy who has loses everything because of his bad choices that I don't mind playing, even though he's a crappy character. Sure. Um, th but if it shows that crappy character, man, he, you know, he had a wife, he had three kids, he had it all. You know, if it did that, I wouldn't portray that character because that's a lie. You know, I, I don't know anybody who <laughs> can live that lifestyle and, and actually end up okay. You know, it's like I, I was watching, I've seen Jay Leno around Hollywood here. Probably I've met him six six times or so. He's he's everywhere. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago again. But um, I saw an interview with him recently, and he was talking about the whole Will Smith slap on the Academy Awards and all that. Uh -huh. but, and then he said, you know, I think there's just a bigger issue going on. And then all of a sudden he said, you know, he goes, you know, they have that whole open relationship thing. And he goes, I've never seen that go well. <clears throat> you know, and so supposedly, um, you know, they both have an open, they're married, but they have an open relationship. They can mm -hmm. go out and have sex with whoever they want. And so he, you know, Jay was just basically saying that's never worked out. So it's right. the same thing. I would play a role where I have an open relationship. If the role shows the disaster, it always becomes if you choose that. But yeah. I would never do that role if it showed, man, they get to be married yeah. and they get to have sex with whoever they want. That yeah. as a good thing that I would not do. You know, So that's how I draw the line. But yeah. I play some awful characters, serial killer, I played an, an uncle who who was a molester to his two children. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, nephews. That was for America's Most Wanted. <clears throat> so we helped fight a criminal. Okay. But it was a very creepy role. My my sister couldn't even watch it. She said I freaked her out. My wife. She said she watched it. She goes, but she goes, it just it wasn't you. You're such a disgusting, weird character. She goes, it was hard to watch, but. I like playing those because it's not me, but I love it because it helped to catch a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. You know, I'll take roles. <clears throat> no, that makes a ton of sense. That's that's. Uh, I appreciate that explanation. Yeah, I I, I remember seeing a clip of you um, in a in a prison cell in like an orange jumpsuit, and I'm guessing <laughs> that you were some kind of a serial killer or something like that. He was, he was disgusting. Yeah, real just really sinister kind of yeah. look on your face and. <laughs> you know just kind of getting into that role do you do you enjoy doing like the roles where you're playing someone who's who's bad do yeah have i have more fun playing the bad characters um i've played a lot of detectives and they're just boring you know it's just me um, um <laughs> i i recently did a the movie just came out um it's called lord of the streets and i play a prison warden and that was fun i mean i enjoyed playing the prison warden because we were in a prison we had all these prisoners and you know i'm i'm the guy in charge out in the yard talking to everybody. And, you know, you know, that was fun, but it's more fun to play the, the wacko characters. Uh, yeah. That guy in the prison suit, he was on death row. He was actually just hours away from um, being, being taken um, and his life taken from him because of his mm. crimes. But he was a, uh, yeah, he was a horrific, 
uh, murderer, killer, and uh, of, of young children. So, but he was, wow. and as you saw, the character is just a little. And it wasn't until I got on set that I figured out that character. You know, I had the lines memorized, and for some reason, I got behind the bars, and all of a sudden, you know, it was just there. And I'd never been a character like that before, but I sure yeah. had fun with him. <laughs> it was a fun th character to create. <laughs> Yeah, I could imagine it'd be it'd be interesting to get into the role to try to kind of get into the mindset of someone who is just so vastly different than who you are as a person mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of really explore those things in terms of acting and, uh, you know, figuring out somebody's personality and, and acting that out when it's again, like when it's somebody. So if you're playing a detective or you're playing somebody who's like a good dude, like a good father, good family mm -hmm. situation, like there's of course there's acting involved there but mm -hmm. is this part of it for you like maybe there's not there's not as much it's not as much of a stretch like you can kind of be yourself to an extent in that role and and uh you know you get into the of course you still got to develop the personality and stuff like that yeah but, but you're kind of a little bit more it's a little bit more close to reality whereas if you're going all the way out there and trying to get into the mind of some sinister human being and uh, it just seems like like this is like I'm acting like I'm <laughs> I'm yeah. really outside of my comfort zone and I'm really outside of, you know, what's normal for me. Is, do you think is that? Well, you know, here's what's or? interesting. It's for me, it's the opposite. And I'm still learning as an actor, you know, acting. I think you, you're you always learning and trying to get better. <clears throat> there are sometimes I watch myself and I'm like, oh, I didn't like it. There are other times I'm like, OK, you know, I like I like that character. But. For me, it's harder for me to play the regular guy when I just have to play a guy who's like Michael, yeah. whether I'm a detective, a father. Um, you know, I don't know why those are harder for me to play because the others I am putting on a character. So it's easier for me as an actor to put on a character and get in front of the camera than it is to just pretty much be me in front of the camera. So I struggle when I have to just be me. It still looks fine on camera. I know me how I'm feeling because I... I have a hard time. I'm like, I don't have a character. You know, I, I, it's yeah. easier for me as an actor to be yeah. the character when I'm just me. It's like, I don't know how to act because I'm not the character. And so again, I'm still learning. That's something I have to learn to deal with so that I can get on camera and be myself. And it still works. Like I said, I still play roles like that all the time. They, I'm, they cast me, so I must be doing something right. But yeah. I know how I feel. It's harder for me to do those roles. Yeah. Yeah. I think about people like, um, <clears throat> oh, like who's a good example? Um, somebody like maybe like Owen Wilson or Matthew McConaughey or somebody like that, who is pretty much, they're the same person in all the roles that they do. Like they're kind of yeah. they're really incredibly good at yeah. being themselves yeah. and fitting into that role. You know what I mean? And making yeah. that role their own, but really based very much on, I think anyway, this is my perspective as an outsider, but like, I think getting into that role very much based on their personality and bringing a lot of their own character and personality into those roles in many situations. Yeah. I feel like for me, <laughs> and, and again, I have like no experience here, but I feel <laughs> like for me, like I resonate a lot with what you're saying because I feel like if I was trying to play a character who was too close to me, I'd be so in my head about it that I'd be like overacting, <laughs> like over delivering on something that's not, that's not really that serious or that dramatic because I, I'd be trying to, make a character happen or something like that when it's not maybe really as necessary. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. <laughs> well, that's funny because people don't realize, you know, how hard it is to be an actor, especially on film. 
the good actors make it look so easy, but yeah. it takes a lot of training for most people to make it look that easy. Uh, because the key to acting is not acting, you know, and then I came from musical theater. I made a living my entire life, you know, doing all these big musicals and Broadway shows, um, not on Broadway, but all over the country, you know, Oklahoma, um, and, um, anything goes, you know, just show after show after yeah. show, singing, dancing and acting, starring in all these amazing shows. And then going from really big where on stage, I have to talk to the person, you know, 5,000 people and person in the back row. I have to do things big. For them sure. to see me on film, television, on camera, everything is, you don't act. It's, it's all, you know, on, on stage, if I wanted to do, if I wanted to look down, I would be like, you know, bam, look down. So the audience sees the look. On film, it's just an eyeball thing. It's just, yeah, true. you know, it's, it's so subtle. And so yeah. learning, I, I, I sucked when I first came to LA as a TV film actor <laughs> because I was doing big. And I had a great acting coach, Brad Heller, who um, after, you know, I think two or three years, I finally got to say a line on television. It was a soap opera, soap opera called Sunset, Sunset Beach, I think it was. And I just walked in and served papers to somebody, um, you know, and then eventually I just learned how to just actually be real yeah. in front of the camera. That's what TV film actors, but it took, and I still have to really make sure I'm keeping it real, you know, because <laughs> it's easy to overact on, which we see it all the time with bad actors on, on you know, different TV shows and things, which is irritating, but it's like sure. they're acting. You need to keep it so real, so subtle. Those are the amazing actors. Ha has there been a, like a favorite role that you've played or is there is there something along the lines that you can point to that say like you just really, really enjoyed doing that? Or maybe it was a character that you got into or something like that? I wouldn't say there's one. It was just any of those fun characters that just weren't yeah. me that were really, you know, yeah. the, the crazy people. Are the, it sounds yeah. awful, but it's, you know, <laughs> the crazy people with the crazy lifestyles that are just, they're just, I don't know. They're just fun to play yeah. for some reason. Yeah. No, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, I met with my agents yesterday. It was so funny, you know, in, uh, in LA, I went down to meet my two agents again and, you know, see them. And they're like, you're such a nice guy, Michael, you know, you're so friendly. And she goes, it's so funny that we always, you're always getting roles for playing the bad guy when you're, you're mm -hmm. so not the bad guy. And I think that's why I like playing the bad guy. Cause that's not me. You know, I'm the happy go lucky guy. I've never been in a fight in my life. You know, it's like, and yet yeah. I play the guy who, you know, will come right at you with those evil eyes. Like I'm going to take you out, you know, and for some reason I get cast that way, but, and they're fun to play, but that's not me. <laughs> yeah. If you were a bad guy in real life and then playing a bad guy in films, like that would probably be problematic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Everyone's afraid of you on set. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. He's uh, he's a lot like that in real life. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we should <Stay> clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has, has there been um anybody and and uh, not to like I don't know, not to like name drop or whatever, but but have you? Is there anyone that you were just like particularly excited that you've had a chance to to work with, either an actor or entertainer, um, that you had a chance to either you know work alongside of or something like that in one of the projects that you've been on that was just particularly you know, exciting for you? Well, you know, I get starstruck, you know, like everybody. So it's always being a, on fun to be on set with people I yeah. uh, respect. I did a movie with um, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. So it's Ben Kingsley, but he was knighted. So, you know, when we were on set, we yeah. were told to call him Sir, which he deserves, you know. But, you know, here I am sitting right next to him in the makeup chair. He's to my left and I'm sitting right here and I'm going, 
oh my gosh, that's Ben Kingsley. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, and he's an amazing actor, you know, so to, yeah. to sit and talk to him was pretty spectacular. Um, I did a t TV show with Brooke Shields, worked with her for a week. And, yeah. you know, I grew up watching, loving Brooke Shields. And here I am, you know, talking to her, getting to know her and seeing who she is as a person. I love her to this day. I think she's the most amazing person, mm -hmm. uh, very genuine person. Um, I got to meet and tap dance. These are names that some people may not recognize, but uh, Gregory Hines. Yeah. Uh, black, he's a black man who's a probably one of the best tap dancers in the world. Very yeah. famous. And he did a movie years ago called Tap. And I got to work on that film and tap dance with Gregory for a week. So meeting Gregory was in, an amazing thing. Another amazing human being, very down to earth, good man. Uh, died young. I think he was 50. So he, he you know, was very sad. Um, I just recently worked not too long ago with Louis Anderson on a TV show called Baskets. Oh, yeah? And he, uh, he recently passed. But, you yeah. know, again, he's another name that I've known and grew up watching. So to actually get to work with and do a scene with him. You know, I, I'm just a kid in a candy store to get to meet these people yeah. I've always grown up with. I did a TV show with Chris, uh, Kiss, um, Gene Simmons. Yeah. When I was a boy, I had floor-to-ceiling posters of Kiss in my bedroom. Wow. And all of a sudden, here I am meeting, talking with, hanging out with Gene Simmons, the guy who was on my poster. And I told him, I said, Gene, man, I gave him the whole story, you know, and, and uh, so we had a great time working together. So. It's been fun to meet all these amazing people that I've grown up admiring, liking, being awestruck by. And here I am now working with them. You know, uh, it's it's exciting. So, yeah, there's a lot of names. I could go on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, like, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, right? So, we talked about um, the production company that you started. We talked about the films that you produced, particularly um healing the heroes of 9 11 that you basically had two months to work on and somehow pulled it off you know um uh, just getting into acting and entertaining in the first place i imagine that there's been a lot of hustle <laughs> there's been a lot of grit there's been a lot of resiliency Absolutely. and things like that how how important would you say that just that that um you know you, you strike me as the kind of person who just doesn't quit and doesn't take no mm -hmm. for an answer how important would you say that that's been to you? And the reason I ask that question is because, um, you know, you're somebody that that I look at and hearing you have these conversations and and, and talk about these things with me. You're, you're somebody who I, I think that um, that what you've done and what you're doing, even in terms of what you're willing to do and not willing to do, the, the fact that you are um, working in Hollywood and working in the entertainment in the industry and at the same time, not willing to compromise on values that you have, which a lot of people would be afraid to do, I think, in, in that kind of a world where they'd say, you know what, like, you got to say yes to everything or you're not going to make it or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. But but being unwilling to compromise on things that are important to you and at the same time, being able to focus on projects that you're actually passionate about that you want to do. And all this, I know that there's been a lot of years and a lot of work and a lot of training and everything that's gone into this. But I think that whether we're talking about somebody who's interested in the entertainment industry or just somebody who just has any kind of a passion or goals in life that they're going after, there's so much resiliency that goes into that. And there's just there, there's got to be sort of a, a spirit within us that says, like, I'm going to go after my dreams. I know there's going to be setbacks. I know there's going to be obstacles, but I'm going to go after it. And so uh, I think that that your your life and 
what you've done and even your personality and just the decisions that you've made through this can really, really speak volumes to to so many people, no matter what, you know, industry or life decisions that we're talking about. So just um, how how important has that been for you in your life to getting you to where you are today? Just that sort of resiliency and attitude that says, like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to go after what I, you know, what I feel like, whether it's what I feel like I'm called to, or what I'm passionate mm -hmm. about, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, you're, you're definitely right on um, with the success I have had in life. And there's a lot more success I would like to have and wished I could have yeah. had by now, you know, so I'm, I'm, there's so much more I still want to accomplish. But you know, and I tell my wife, you know, I feel like many times with as much as I've accomplished, I haven't reached my goals for what I had for myself. So sometimes I tell my wife, you know, I feel like I haven't done it yet. You know, I haven't accomplished mm -hmm. it yet. And she, and yet she says, yeah, but so many people think you're so successful. I'm like, yeah, but I don't, you know, mm -hmm. so maybe that's part of the thing that drives me is just because I have my own goals of what I hope to do, had hoped to do. And, you know, to have some of those things actually not take place. Um can be frustrating, but I've never been one to let a no stop me. Um, mm -hmm. I've never been one to say, okay, I haven't accomplished. I had certain goals I wanted to hit by the time I was 50. Well, now I'm 58 and I haven't hit some of those goals. So, but okay, I'm not done trying. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to yeah. keep going. And when I've gotten no's and I've gotten a lot of no's and in the entertainment business, you hear no, no, no all the time for every role I got, I probably heard 30 or 40 no's, you know, it's just, Every actor, that's average. One audit, I mean, 30 auditions for every role you're cast in. That's the average. If you're a good working actor. Uh, for those who are, aren't, many more roles before they get a yes. Yeah. Uh, before they get a yes. Yeah. But, you know, I've created a lot of things by my entire life. If I'm anywhere, performing anywhere, I find a way to get press. Um, um, whether it's newspaper, TV interviews, I, I find an angle that they're interested in. So they get me on for promotion. I ended up getting a talk show in the Midwest that aired in three States where I got to interview Debbie Reynolds, which was one of my, you know, singing in the rain, one of my favorite actresses from back in the day, Glenn Campbell. I was a huge fan of Glenn. Mm. I got to interview him twice. Uh, many, many stars were on my show that I hosted. I got that again because of promoting myself. I'm making opportunities. I never sat there and waited for people to call me. And so regardless of your career, your hopes, your desires with whatever it is that you want to accomplish, don't sit and wait for it to come to you. You need to put into effect whatever you need to, to take the steps to make those things happen, to change your life, reach those goals, make those things happen. And I've just always uh, done that. Again, I haven't reached all of my goals, no matter how hard I've tried yet, but I'm going to keep trying until I do. And there are people, you know, it always impresses me, people who come to this country with no money, immigrants yeah. and you know they end up eventually becoming very successful this country allows you to do whatever you want to do so when i hear people complaining about their poverty where they grew up they're this or that yeah they have a very difficult time much more difficult than i've had to experience but um people of all colors races um uh, financial backgrounds and everything else uh, it, it's really about the person choosing to work hard and yeah. not let what their circumstances are stop them. But despite their circumstances, push forward. There are people who have no money and become very successful. People with no legs and look at what they've accomplished. People with no arms. I mean, there's that gentleman. He's got no arms and no legs. Who's a Christian, you know, motivational speaker who's who's motivated thousands all over the world. Who would have thought he could impact so many people with what wow. he was born with? I mean. There are so many circumstances we can all be given that we can say are a negative, but you can work past it 
and if you work hard and um again i've been lucky i've been blessed um but um I, i've i've been able to accomplish what i have by god's grace uh, my mm. you know because number one he's number one in my faith in my in my life uh, yeah. praying reading the bible regularly going to church worshiping nothing better than worship i love worshiping god uh, those are all so important, but, you know, living your best life, treating people around you good, social media, people rip each other apart because they can hide behind the computer. Mm. You know, I've never said anything rude, you know, about people. If I say something, you know, that's negative, it's, it's, it's never an attack, you know, it's just being honest as diplomatically as I can, but I try to avoid that. You know, um, I think there's just too many too many negative, too much negativeness out there. But but yeah, people can accomplish whatever they want. They just have to work hard, regardless of their circumstances. It's so good. It's a good word, man. Um, I I was just thinking, there's a story that I love about uh, Pablo Picasso, and mm. I don't know, I don't know if this is even real or not, but it's a story that I that I heard, and uh, either way, it works. This this woman um, saw him in a market or somewhere and ran up to him. Mr. Picasso, Mr. Picasso, can you please draw me a picture? I'm such a big fan. Can you please draw me a picture? And she gave him a piece of paper and he took the piece of paper and he, you know, took 30 seconds and he did something on the piece of paper and handed it back to her. She said, oh, thank you so much. And he said, that'll be $10,000. Some <laughs> exorbitant amount of money like that, you know, and she goes, $10,000. She said, it only took you 30 seconds to draw that. And he said, no, it took me 30 years to draw that in 30 seconds. That's and, exactly uh, right. And, and I love that. And it's and, and what you're saying is so on point because, you know, we can look at people, particularly in the entertainment industry, whether we're talking mm -hmm. about actors or we're talking about sports <clears throat> figures or whoever we're talking about. And we can look at them and we can make the mistake in our mind to say, oh, it must be nice, right? It must be nice to have what they have, to have the fame, to have the money, to have all of that. Yeah. And, to, and we can think that what they did was an easy process to get there. But yep. we don't recognize, and maybe there are a handful of overnight successes, somebody yeah. that was just in the right place at the right time and it just worked out and they're just extremely talented and for whatever yeah. reason it worked out. But but that's definitely the um, the exception to the rule, right? For, for yeah, pretty much absolutely. anybody that you can point to mm -hmm. that have reached that level of fame or success or wealth or whatever, there's a story behind that. And a lot of mm -hmm. times it's a story like we're talking about of, of grit. It's a story of hustle. It's a story of disappointment, of you know being rejected, of being told no a hundred times so you can get that one audition that doesn't even go that well. You know, yeah. just like over and over again and being willing to grind, you know, through that process and, you know, again, just kind of staying true to yourself and continuing to go after your goals. And, uh, you know, I think that that's that's so key. We can look at people on these big screens and be like, oh, you know, it's so easy for them because they have this, this and that. But like you don't know at the end of the day what it actually costs that person to get to where they are now. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's no reason why you in the same situation, you know, whether, you know, again, whatever it is, but going after your dream and your passion, there's no reason why you cannot as well attain to a level of success, but it's not going to happen overnight. And you do have to work and be willing to sacrifice some things and be willing to, you mm -hmm. know, go after it until you have it. I love, I love when you were talking there, how you said there's certain things I haven't experienced or I haven't attained to yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love the yet. And I love just that, that tenacity to keep going you know yeah absolutely it's cool <laughs> well finally uh if you if you could i mean i know so for the past 
few years, I guess, so much of, of your time and your energy and effort in terms of your, your work life has gone into producing these films very much related to, um, again, post-traumatic stress and um, helping uh, veterans and first responders and people that have experienced trauma in their past to find freedom. Um, what would you say is kind of on the horizon for you? Is there any particular plan for what's coming next? So uh, my production company was hired recently and we were doing another documentary um, that we've already started at the beginning of the year. And uh, so that's exciting. We're going to release more details about that later, but that's a big project we're working on. And then um, I've got three films in development. One is the Wounded Heroes screenplay. You've got the documentary here that we released and we put the other film, the screenplay on hold. Well, now that this is released, we're going back to Wounded Heroes, the uh, feature film. Wow. And we've updated the screenplay and we're raising money for it now. And I'm working with DDS for Vets, which is a nonprofit organization in Florida that does a lot of great work helping veterans. And they're working with me to raise the money uh, for Wounded Heroes. And it also now features an alternative treatment that gives people their lives back. So it's gonna feature a real alternative treatment that is working today to give people their lives back. And so that's exciting because not only is it gonna be a, an entertaining um, you know, film that's got a great dramatic story, flashbacks to Iraq, fly, flashback war sequences in Vietnam. It's gonna be a very fun film, but it's gonna also have the storyline about post-traumatic stress, but we're gonna see somebody get their life back using a mm -hmm. real life TRP. In this case, TRP is the plan uh, treatment that uh, so that people will be entertained, but also see something that can also help if they're battling post-traumatic stress. So I've got that film in development and then also uh, two other films in development. So we've got four projects we're working on right now. Well, the 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 first thing that you mentioned, the documentary, is that something that you can discuss or is that kind of still on the down low as far as it's kind of on the down low? Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be another film on 9-11 um, okay. and uh, it's going to be something that's never been done before because, you know, we've all heard stories of 9-11, Ground Zero and Pentagon and everything else. And we wanted to. You know, when they reached out to me, you know, they said we want to do something that's different. So we brainstormed for a while and, and I came up with some I we all think great ideas that are going to make this a very unique uh uplifting impactful film and so uh we're very excited about it and we'll have some pretty amazing people that are going to be part of it being interviewed in it and um it's going to be an uplifting film it's going to be wonderful yeah well, uh, Michael, I, I really appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being here, for sharing your heart, and uh, really for just all the work that that you've done and that you're doing to really shed light on some issues that are just so incredibly important. Uh, again, I'm so appreciative of you, of your time. If you would, just share again before we go on just where people can go to find these films and mm -hmm. uh, anything else that you'd like to uh, to draw some attention to. So I'll give my personal website, which pretty much has everything. It's michaelgeyer.com, my first and last name.com. Uh, and then woundedheroesdocumentary.com is where you can see Wounded Heroes. And then 220.org, and it's 22zero.org is where you can see okay. Healing the Heroes of 9-11. But everything, again, is on michaelgeyer.com as well, including my production company, Geyer Productions. Uh, com. <laughs> it's all on michaelgeyer.com. So <laughs> it's a catch-all, I guess. But uh, and you can, and if you email on any of those sites, you know, it, it will get to me if you have a message or anything you want to say, or if you have a question, or if you want to see the films, let me know. And I, like I said, I'll send you a link to any of them. 
That's awesome. Well, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but shout out to uh, Dr. Janelle Royster for setting this up and making this, helping us have this initial contact. And uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative of just being able to connect with you and to get to know you and, and uh, you know, to learn about, about these projects that you're involved in. Um, well, Michael Geyer, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I appreciate you guys for stopping by and checking out this episode. If it blessed you, encouraged you, challenged you, add any kind of added any kind of value to your life, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, I'd also love your comments to hear from you. Any of that kind of stuff would just be uh, amazing and super appreciated. Uh, Michael, thank you again, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Bye, everybody.